Watch the Game is brought to you by Milk is Weird. You can find everything on milkisweird.com. We got a new video out. I drove all the way from San Fran to Boston to ask people if they think Milk is Weird. That's out on YouTube. Got some additional Celtics content coming soon on the website. And an interview with Alina Mueller dropping in the next couple of days. Coming up on this podcast, we got weekly sports bets and then a whole lot of Celtics versus Heat. And then we ended off by actually agreeing on our favorite song in the Spotify Top 25. All right, boys, watch the game. Adam Doucette, Henry Finch, Chris Robert. How you boys doing? I'm good. Um, let me tell you something, Chris, I didn't even tell you. I'm exhausted because I was in your city today, Chris. Mm, I was in really? New York City, and I was planning on being there for 15 minutes. Instead, I was there for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I was picking up a, furni- a piece of furniture for one of my mom's friend. I was supposed to go in, grab it, pick it up. Oh my God, it was the biggest mess in the world. And I had to like, carry this like sofa by myself up an elevator, put it in the car. It was a mess. So I'm exhausted. That long story short. Well, at least you got to work out into it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. How you doing, Chris? I'm, uh, I'm okay. I mean, I finished work a little later than I wanted to, but um, that's fine. Then the subways were delayed, so... And that fucking pissed me off. Um, but yeah, man. After this, I got a nice gym day waiting for me. I'm excited. Happy to to get in there and get fucking... What am I doing today? Tell me, Adam. What am I doing? Uh, uh, definitely legs. Definitely. Yo, it's actually, I'm actually doing <laughs> legs. Good fuck. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm doing legs today. What does leg day look like, Chris? You got you hit the yeah, squats. Let me give you a rundown or, yeah, for our, uh, our fitness geeks. So I'm doing, starting with, with squats, barbell squats. Actually, the one day I stretch when I'm in the gym is leg day because leg day is so easy to get hurt. So I do some squats. I do a five by five. I try to, you know, at least I start off with a play and try to work my way up. Then after that, I do leg presses. Probably do four sets of that, four sets of 12. Then I do leg extensions. Then I do leg curls. Then I do hip abductors the one where you go out um i do um kickbacks and then i do caps calf raises very nice i like it yeah it's a good day all right we're gonna start off with our weekly betting segment i guess we can start with chris because it's really more of the same um i I don't know why we haven't been starting with chris every weekly segment we've been doing this for like what seven eight weeks now um and we have usually like, I, I don't know why, but either me or Henry start and then Chris will go and then Chris will inevitably get it wrong. He's lost every single bet that he's oh. made. And so I've decided that it would be a good idea to just let Chris go first. And then I can, I, I have a bet ready, but maybe I should just go <laughs> with the opposite of Chris. So, but <laughs> I, I think it's a good idea. Chris, please give us your, your bet. So. Ladies and gentlemen, not much of a recap. I bet on the Red Sox last week, and no, you bet against the Red Sox. I bet against week. the Red Sox, and thank the, you, by the way. Yeah, of course, the Red Sox decided <laughs> to wake the fuck up that day and just fuck me. Um, so I lost again, not counting the month prior because we're in a new month, guys. I'm down two hundred. Now, today that all turns around. <laughs> You know why? Because I'm betting on something I've never bet on before. That's the NHL playoffs. Mm. 
I'm Ooh. taking for plus 105 the Golden Knights over the Stars. It's a good Are they bet. plus 105? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yep. I'm taking it. Vegas is plus. Why, why is Vegas a plus? Vegas is up 3 nothing. Because they're expecting people not to sweep. Sweep is hard, yeah. I guess. And they're no, in I, I agree this. Yeah, I agree the sweep is high, but I, I guess I'll go next because my bet was going to be uh, Carolina against Florida because I don't think Florida is going to sweep them. I mean, maybe I, NHL, anything can happen. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I was going to do Carolina. Uh, was it Carolina? No. Well, Carolina is the Hurricanes, right? Yeah, but they're minus 105. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, because I was looking at this, the uh, Stars and Golden Knights and then Hurricanes and um, Panthers. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, if, if the Panthers sweep the Hurricanes and then they play Vegas in the finals, who are coached by Bruce Cassidy, <laughs> who the Bruins just fired, and then on top of that, the Celtics lose to the eight-seed Florida team in Miami, I, I'm going to bash my head against the wall. <laughs> I'm going to put my hand into the garbage disposal in on purpose. Like that, just an incredibly frustrating season. Um, Henry, what do you got? Did you have something NHL too? Weirdly enough, I did have something NHL. Um, and mm-hmm. I hope it's the opposite of Chris. I'm gonna stick with my bed, which unfortunately is the same as Chris. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe this is the week. May- maybe this is the week. I, I, you know, I felt confident in my bet until Chris made the same bet. But here mm-hmm. we are. I'm sticking to my guns. So yeah, I'm taking Vegas at plus 105. Where I this has to be the week, right? It has to be because if Henry's on board, like, yeah, come on. Except I've lost it's the good last value. two weeks, so yeah. Mm. What are you at now, Henry? Money wise, I'm overall. at negative ten. Okay, I'm, I'm at negative. I'm at negative twenty eight oh eight. Negative twenty eight dollars <laughs> and twenty eight cents. Chris is at. Are you? What are you? Negative eight hundred. Negative seven hundred. Hey, we're not counting the month prior. We're in a new month. But overall, though. If Overall, I'm gonna be negative twenty eight, um, yeah, what I'm close, I'm, I'm up negative a thousand. People just count there. up the weeks and multiply it by a hundred and put a minus sign. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty. Well, at least okay. my face is. That's true. That's true. Uh, I wouldn't have you on the pod looking at you an hour a week if you were, if you didn't have a pretty face. <laughs> um. Okay, let's do some NBA. I'm not even gonna take a break because that was a quick segment. Oh, a lot of Celtics versus Heat today, boys. I I first want to start off by saying. I am very surprised, not shocked, but very surprised, maybe borderline shocked, that the Celtics are in this position, that they've put themselves in this position against a Miami team who is an eight seed, who was only six games over 500, who frankly just wasn't that good this year. Mm -mm. They have Jimmy Butler. I get it. Like Jimmy Butler is an amazing player. They have a great coach in Spolstra. But Miami, like they were a play-in team that just eked in. Like, they lost the first play-in game. They got in because they won the second one. Um, so, uh, uh, just first off, I'm surprised. Number one, I feel like the Celtics have an extremely talented roster of guys. The one guy I'm not going to blame for this situation is Brad Stevens. I think he's put them in a really, really good position. I think the Celtics have the most talent in the entire league. They have star power in Tatum and Brown. They have gritty defensive guys in Smart and Derek White and Rob Williams. They have shooting from really everybody on the team, minus probably Rob Williams and some of the bench guys. Like they've built this roster to be a shooting team. So they have all of that. Uh, they have a veteran. I was listening to Inside the NBA a couple of nights ago, 
and they're like, man, I just think every team should have a veteran. Like, and they were talking about Udonis Haslam. Mm. Al Horford's like what, thirty-seven or something? Al Horford is a veteran. Yep. Like that should cover that base. And yet still they've lost three games in a row. Finally won one last night. But I want to make this segment pretty much like a what's the problem segment. Because the GM set them up really, really well for this season. So what happened? Like what's what's the problem? Um, so I think how we should do this is I'm just going to start listing out what I have. If you agree, we, we each have takes. So I'm going to start listing what I have. If you agree, if you wrote down the same thing, we'll talk about it. If not, you can chime in. And uh, what do you think? That sound good? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. First of all, I want to say, and this is probably, it, it's probably the biggest reason, but it's not something that I want to talk a lot about, has just be, just because it's really simple. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have just not been very good. When you have two All-NBA guys and they don't play like All-NBA guys, it sounds simple, but it's not a recipe for success. So I just, I don't think Tatum and Brown have looked like the Tatum and Brown of the regular season. And it's on the other players too. There've been a lot of weird off nights for other guys. Uh, Brogdon, all in all, has been bad. (laughs) Horford has struggled to shoot from three. Derek White has had off games. There's just games where... They just can't buy a bucket. So it's not something I want to sit here and talk about all day because sometimes you just don't play well. Sometimes the shot doesn't go in. It's a make or miss league, like people say all the time. And that's really it. So, but, but it's still a huge reason. Like sometimes you just don't play well. Sometimes you just don't get your shots to go in. And that's really the end of it. The reason that we have a good segment is because that's definitely not the end of it. But it's a big reason. They just haven't played well. Um, Okay, real reason number one. This Celtics team is built around the three-pointer. I think we can all agree on that. The roster is full of guys who can shoot it. And Missoula's philosophy is to shoot a ton of threes. Like that's that's how he's built. That's how Stevens has built this team. And that is Missoula's coaching philosophy. I think it's the reason why at their best, they are the best team in basketball. Borderline unbeatable, in my opinion. If their threes are going, you can borderline not beat them. It's also the reason why when their shot is not falling, they're just not that good. And I also think this is the type of team where when their shot isn't falling, they get frustrated and then it snowballs and then it gets ugly and it leads to other stuff like, you know, they're not getting along or they can't get back into it or they try to shoot too many threes and then they start taking bad shots and it just leads to other things. But it's so three-point focused that when it doesn't go well, it really doesn't go well. And when it goes well, it can go really well. So that to me, other than just in general, not playing really well and not getting shots to fall is the biggest reason why they were down 0-3. And it's also the biggest reason why they have any chance at all to get back into this series. I don't know if that was one of the reasons that you wrote down or thoughts on being a three-point focus team. I think the within the point within that point that I think is the most important is when their shots aren't falling, they don't adjust. They keep taking threes and they keep trying to make it all make up the deficit by taking threes, even if it's not working, which then just digs them into a bigger hole. And so a phrase that I've heard with a lot of analysts and a lot of people is like they live and die by the three, which is true. Like it doesn't matter if it's working or not, they're going to take threes. And I don't know 
like I don't know why that I don't know if it's like they just believe that their shots are going to start hitting at some point or if it's a coaching thing if Missoula's saying like no like that's our strategy that's what we're doing but it gets so frustrating for I'm sure for them as well as fans just see you know them shooting like whatever they shot in game three 19 percent from three or whatever but they're still jacking up threes it's just kind of ridiculous I understand why you feel like the philosophy is a problem, but I feel like this philosophy is pretty much widespread across the NBA. Obviously, certain teams are on more the extreme end than others, but like this, like layup of three, I feel like is common. If you look at the Miami Heat, what does Jimmy Butler take? He usually either Mamadabai usually is in the paint. Jimmy's either usually in the paint, or if not, they're kicking it out to Struess, kicking it out to Duncan Robinson for a three. It's pretty. Sometimes Jimmy Butler is when when he's doing this, hitting the mid range is when it's getting frustrating because it's like they can't stop making the threes, they can't stop making layups, and then Jimmy Butler just fucking fading away on the mid range just for the fuck of it. He makes it, banks it off the thing with the shot clock expiring. My thing that I've noticed with the Miami Heat is their timely shots, not necessarily like how many shots they're making because obviously they make they're making a lot of shots. It's just when they're they make them when the Celtics feel like they're going on a run. Someone will hit a three when they're creeping up. All oh, the lead is cut down from whatever to now it's nine. They hit a three. Now it's back up to 12. And it's, I feel like those kind of shots demoralize a team. Um, I feel like this Celtics team is tough. It's gritty, but I'm surprised that everything I wasn't worried about with them going into the series, which was toughness, hustle, effort. They out rebounded the heat. I think one game, massively but other than that i feel like miami has controlled the rebounds and i'm very big on offensive rebounds especially like if your shots are not going up go get it like if they're not gonna go in go get it and i don't know and i've said this for a while jason tatum i feel like he's been getting a lot of hate Jalen brown needs to get a little bit more of that spotlight he hasn't been playing great but jason gives you 34 great you still lost but then he comes back and gives you 13 the next game. And then it's like the game after he gives you 34 again. And it's like I need – I'd rather you give me 20, 20, 20 than 34 in a loss, 13 in a loss, and then 34 in a win. Like I, I don't know how to – what the fucking term is to like smooth out his distribution of scoring. But like I need more consistent playing from him as the leader of the team. I think the Celtics have been good on the boards. And it surprises me because the game that they game three, they got blown out. They lost by like 40. That was an ugly game. And they were plus 20. I don't know what it was. A lot. Look specifically offensive glass. They were, yeah, they killed that game. That game, they had, I think, double offensive rebounds than Miami. Maybe even more. It it was like an unbelievable margin. Um, and they still got crushed because they just couldn't hit shots. So there's going to be games where you're just not hitting shots and you're going to lose. And that's that's one thing. But I think it comes back to the the frustration that they let get into them. And it you know when it starts not going well, it snowballs. And then it doesn't go well. And it doesn't go well. And it just gets worse and worse. And they sort of let that creep into their head, I feel like. I think Jalen Brown's another good point. They really need Jalen Brown to play better. I just want to say just, one thing. Yeah. I, I just I looked up the rebounds in game three. It was a lot. <laughs> okay. Do you want to hear? Can, wait. 
Was didn't Miami have like one? One offense. I think one. it was like. Yeah, that's what yeah, I thought. I was like, maybe the graphic was wrong, but it, that's what I thought it was. The yeah. Celtics had twenty-one offensive rebounds exactly. and still lost by twenty-six. Yeah. 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 Why is that's that? a lot. <laughs> How does that happen? I know. Unless, I know. unless they just kept getting offensive rebounds, just not making, just missing. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is what happened. Because <laughs> there's no fucking way you can get twenty-six and lose. I'm a big fan of offensive rebounds. I think they're very important. I think they're demoralizing for the opposing team. Mm-hmm. Um. But obviously, the the caveat to that is if you get the damn rebound, you offensive rebound once or twice or three times in a fucking possession, you got to hit one. Yes. Yeah. I want to move into my next point, which is giving Miami and Miami's players credit where it's deserved because they have played really well. And I want to start with Jimmy Butler because, Chris, to your point about Jimmy Butler, yes, they kick out to three-point shooters. Yes, Jimmy Butler lives in the paint at points. But... He also is an elite mid-range shooter in these playoffs. He's not an elite mid-range shooter in general, but in this series he is. And to me, I understand that the analytics, the deep analytics show that you want to be around the bucket or you want to be taking threes, that you don't want to be taking long mid-range shots. I understand. But that I actually watch the game and I see all of the elite NBA playoff performers and the elite scorers in the NBA pretty much all of them have a go-to mid-range shot when they just need to buy a bucket Tatum has a shot doesn't really use it that much but it's there uh Jimmy Butler DeMar DeRozan is a great scorer in there LeBron Durant has a he's he's, his mid-range in this playoffs was a phenomenal Jalen Brunson exactly Kawhi Leonard all of these elite playoff guys that go into the playoffs and just kill teams all have a go-to mid-range shot. So I understand not wanting to take it all the time, but Jimmy Butler's taken a lot of them. And it's those shots that you, you look at the Celtics' faces, even the fans, Jimmy Butler will hit one of those tough mid-range shots and you'll be like, God, it's demoralizing. It. Like, it's this but again. How much of that is Jimmy telling Spolsha, fuck off, I'm going to take it? Like telling your coach, I'm going to take it. Because there's coaches, I mean, I don't know how what the relationship between Jimmy and Spolsha is. I know that sometimes it gets like, little fiery between them but if you that team is constructed to shoot threes Miami is constructed to shoot threes or or go in for the layup but the fact that he's taking them I think is part of his personality he's telling Eric I'm going to take this fuck off I don't care I don't care about Max Struess being there Duncan Robinson being there I don't care I'm gonna take it and that's okay Jason maybe needs to do that maybe needs to go up to Joe and be like listen Joe I know you you Wrote this up for us to get a three on the, on the elbow, blah, blah, blah. I'm taking a mid-range. Fuck, fuck all that. That's it. I, I want to see Tatum go up to Joe and just go, man, listen, Joe. Just say no. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm taking a mid-range. Yeah. Well, okay. So let, let's use this to transition into Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is a dog. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is the most grown-up, uh, made-for-the-moment clutch just own the moment type of player on the court in this series, period. He never looks uncomfortable. He plays at his own pace, which is really... I, I, the Celtics are trying to push the pace, and Miami will pick you apart. And Jimmy Butler, specifically, I th- when, when you see Tatum and Brown handling the ball, they're just not as good a playmaker as Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler will slow it down. He'll probe. He'll see what the defense gives him. Jimmy Butler is really good at reading the defense, uh, attacking the matchups he likes, 
he makes plays for other guys. He gets to his shot when he wants to attack the matchup. And defensively, he reads the game really well. There's been a couple of steals that he has made in this series and even in the Knicks series that he's just reading the defense. He knows where the ball is going to go. I think it's a combination of being a really smart basketball player. And also, he probably watches a ton of film. It's probably both. But Jim, Jimmy Butler has been been really good in this series. He's surprisingly strong. He's too. really strong because he, you know, he looks. He's kind of. I mean, he has like good shoulder, like a good broad shoulder base. But like he's kind. He's slim, so like whenever you see him, like just take a center to the post, it's kind of like he's fucking strong. Yeah, he moves people. I want to talk about the other guys from Miami as well. Fuck they him. say it a hundred times per game on the broadcast, and I don't want to beat a dead horse. But Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. Duncan Robinson and Max Struess are all undrafted by everybody. Not to give too much credit to Miami. Miami could have drafted them too and didn't. All four of these guys are undrafted and they're all key rotational players in the series. And they're guys that are really killing the Celtics. Uh, Gabe Vincent killed the Celtics in game three. Caleb Martin has been awesome in this series. And Struess and Duncan Robinson are two guys that can really stretch the floor. And... They just create a lot more space for other guys, especially on the interior, especially guys like Bam Adebayo who are who are rolling. And I just it's it's crazy to me that four guys that are undrafted are having this impact in a playoff series in in an Eastern Conference Finals. I I think one of my points for why Miami is doing what they're doing, and I feel like we touched on it the, the last couple episodes. I feel like it's the coaching from Spolstra. I feel like the way he coaches his team, especially with how much defensive emphasis he puts on his team, despite the lack of a holistically sound defensive team, he has a Jimmy, he has a band, but if you look at everybody else, it's kind of like, eh. I agree. Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, like he's not a great defender, but he'll, you know, he'll get low, he'll move his feet, like he'll do the job, like, which is why I was confused after Miami running a fucking zone defense in the playoffs. But it works because it works for them and it works for them only. It won't work for anyone else. Because if you're telling me that the Celtics have a less defensively talented team, that's false. They they have a more talented defensive team, even offensively, you can argue. It's just the coaching plays such a magnificent role. And I don't know, maybe Joe's just not the guy. Yeah, it's, it's not even close. But talking about the defensive talent. I mean, the Celtics are way more athletic than the Heat. Give give the Heat credit, but Duncan Robinson and Max Struess are not like elite athletes. <laughs> so you kind of like Duncan Robinson. You think I look like Duncan Robinson? Yeah. Can't play no D, but you got it. You can shoot though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Henry, did you have a point? Uh no, I just I love Spolstra. I just like I feel like and it's weird to say but I feel like he's like one, maybe the most underrated coach in the league, even though he's won coach of the year, what, twice or something? Like, he's just mm. so good. And I don't think anyone came into this series or this playoffs thinking that Joe Missoula was like a coach and mastermind. You know, he wasn't fooling anyone. But he's just like, he is embarrassing Missoula with the way that he's like, all right, you do this. I'm going to make my guys do this and it's going to work. And. I don't know. I just, it's, I, I love the combo of Spolstra and Jimmy Butler because they me strike me as like similar kind of guys. You know what I mean? Where they're just like, fuck it. We're doing this. 
and they just yeah. go all in and they make it work. And they'll get into each other. You remember last year yes. when everybody was like, the heat are done. <laughs> Jimmy Butler just threw a clipboard at, at uh, Spolstra. Yeah. Probably had a beer yeah. after that. Sometimes you need that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a ton of, before, I, I mean, we can get into the coaching. I think the heat clearly have a ton of respect for Spolstra. Mm. And I'm not saying that the Celtics don't have a ton of respect for Missoula as a person, but as a as a head basketball coach, I mean, he's 34 years old and it's his first head coaching experience. I think it's hu- it's just human nature to be like, okay, this guy's like the same age as us. <laughs> to just look at that person differently than you would somebody who's 20, 30, 40 years older. It's just it's just a different yep. it's just a different type of relationship. So I don't think they they have a lack of respect. But I think they know he's a first-year head coach. I think they know he, he's made mistakes. And um, I, I think it, pe- people have compa- – I've heard people compare Joe Mazzulla and his youth and his coaching a ton of talent in this first year to Spolstra when he coached uh, LeBron and Wade and Bosh. And he was young, but he wasn't this young. He wasn't, no, he was not that young. Spolstra's 52. He looks really good, by the way. He doesn't look 52. No. <laughs> but he was like – so what? If it was 2011, then he was like 40. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't that young. Joe Mazzulla is 34. Like he is, he's younger than Horford. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of young coaches. It, even though there's some uh, that are, there's some guys who are smart, they know the game. But 34, I feel like it's kind of a little too close. But this all stems to, this is a whole other can of worms. The way they went about just like releasing, I guess releasing Ime. Uh, uh, I'm just saying. I want to get back to one thing before we talk about this, and I have a, a whole point about all of this. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I want to say before we transition fully into coaching is the Duncan Robinson Max Struess combination. These are two really, really good shooters, and when they're hitting, when they get hot, they're hard to deal with. But let's not mistake these guys for Steph Curry. All right, these guys are not that level. Uh, they're not shot creators. They're shot getters, all right? They're, they're run into shots, run off screens. Chris has given me the thumbs down. They're not that. These two guys are guys that I feel like you should be able to make uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That if you have defensive players like Marcus Smart, like Derek White, like Brown and Tatum and all of these guys, even Brogdon, you should be able to just stay attached and make them uncomfortable enough to where they're going to miss shots. Because if they get hot, you can cool them down. If you, you can prevent them from getting hot, if you're just physical, if you're aggressive, and I'm not saying bring two because they're good enough passers and they're well-coached enough where if you bring two and you're too aggressive, the Heat are going to find the open guy. The Heat are going to cut hard. They cut really, really hard. We've seen Duncan Robinson cut really hard and get a bunch of wide open layups. But just, I feel like the the defensive intensity, at least before game four, just wasn't there. It wasn't good enough for the Celtics. And these it's not like... These guys are making incredible shots. It's these guys are getting good looks. And you should be able to be athletic enough and physical enough with them to prevent that. I really feel that way. Chris, I know you you were giving me the thumbs down. What, what's going on? I I don't understand it. Because it's like they're not, like you said, they're shot getters. Like if, if they happen to get a shot, they get a shot. My thing is, I feel like even with good defense, Duncan Robinson specifically, he'll jack up just about anything from anywhere. And sometimes he'll make it. And then when he'll make it is when 
like I said, those timely baskets, that fucking contested three from 35, almost 40 feet out from Duncan Robinson is when you're you're on a run, you cut the lead down to nine, it was almost 20, cut it down to nine, Duncan just pulls up from God knows where, makes it, and it's, now it's back up to 12, and now you're fucking pissed off again. It's just they're, it's the timely shots. They're not great. Same thing with Max Struess. Max Struess can go 0 for 9, and then he'll hit 4 for 4 in the fourth quarter. And it's like, where the, what, what, what is happening? And I think even with great defense, because I'm not going to say that you know the Celtics haven't contested those shots. Obviously, they've made them a good amount of times, but they've played a, a decent amount of defense on Struess and, and Duncan and closing out. It's just sometimes they just make a fucking shot. You practice it good enough, you, you, you'll be able to make it. Let me talk about Ime Udoka a little bit <laughs> because, Chris, you brought it up. I blame Ime Udoka a lot for this because let's let's not forget that Ime Udoka, this team made a commitment to Ime Udoka and he, to his credit, held guys to standards on the court that he clearly didn't hold himself to off the court. So he fucked up. And it cost the team. So while we can sit here and talk about Joe Missoula, rightfully so, and we will talk about it more, I just feel like let's not forget why we're here. Let's not forget why the Celtics have a 34-year-old first-year head coach. It's not because they wanted to. It's because they had a guy that had success, that made a huge mistake, that did not hold himself to the same standard that he held his players to. And it cost this team. I feel like people don't aren't talking about that enough. I no, go ahead, Henry, because I'm gonna be mad. No, I know I want you to be mad because I'm gonna be mad about you being I, mad. So I I get it. No, he, he this is Emay's fault. I still don't think they the Celtics as an organization handled it well, and I feel like just like I feel like they panicked in terms of like trying to satisfy public image because when thing, things like this are very sensitive and they're important, and you have to handle them correctly. And I feel like when it happened, Brad. Even, you know, he even got emotional in the presser. Like, he, I don't think they gave it enough time to be like, all right, let's see if we have any coaching options. I feel like they just fired, they fired first and then decided what to do after. And then after is when I'm like, well, I guess we're stuck with good old Joe and then it's fine. But this is what I'm going to get mad at because I still feel that people make it an excuse that this is why the Celtics are bad. It's an, a part of the explanation as to why they're in the position they are in. Your coach should not be an excuse. The expectation was for this team was to win, to get to the finals, and possibly win it. They have one of the most talented rosters in the NBA. They have one of the most defensively sound rosters in the NBA. They rebound the fuck out of the basketball. They have star power. They have two great point guards in Brock. I don't know if you want to call them a point guard, but Brogdon combo guards and Derek White and Brogdon. They have the recipe to success. Yes, the coach is not where who you would want him to be but you have every reason and every right to be like they are expected to win it all and i don't want and i don't want to hear any excuses that's like oh well fuck we'll try again next year it all happened you know it's all joe that's why we lost no 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 no. let's take some responsibility for why we're losing you're not playing good you're playing below what your expectations are you're a better team you're probably the best team in the league play like it no i totally agree and it's not an excuse but the coach hasn't helped. Like, it, it really is a lot on the players. And I say this all the time, but the NBA is a really player-driven league. A coach is not going to fix a team that sucks. All right? But a coach can put you over the top. A coach can help. Spolstra helps. Spolstra has a less talented roster, and he makes them really good. 
So, well, it's not all Missoula's fault. Let's not say, let, let's not act like Missoula is helping. He, he He's really not, he's not helping. But, and there's a reason why he's in the position that he's in. It's because of Ime Udoka. But then, so you're telling me that the gap in coaching from Eric to Joe is greater than the gap from the talent of the Celtics from off sides of the court in term, compared to the Heat? I don't think it, I don't think so. I feel like I the, mean, Celtics are the Celtics are so down three one, and they have a better team. I, I, they're, I feel like they're so much better. I agree, and they're I, losing. Play better. I agree. I think <laughs> they would be in this situation even if Ime Adoka was still the head coach. I don't think he's a good coach, but what I saw last year was not enough to make me be like, "Oh man, if he was still the head coach, they would have ran through these playoffs." He was good, but he wasn't great. They still got dominated by the Warriors. They got he got way out coached by Steve Kerr. He almost got out coached by Eric Spolstra. He almost got out coached by uh Boonhoser. So I like Udoka, and he's the reason that they're in this situation. But I am not confident enough in Udoka to say that he would change the course of how the Celtics are playing right now. I agree. I, I also agree, but it's uh, I'm not saying what I'm saying because I think Udoka is a great head coach. I'm saying what I'm saying because Udoka put the team in the position to have to hire Joe Missoula, and I don't think Missoula is helping. It's not because I think they'd be like crazy this much better because Udoka is still there. But also now you have another first year head coach, like it's first year all over again. Yeah. You just had Udoka's first year. You got that out the window. You got the experience. And then he went and did what he did. And now it's first year head coach again. So, so that's that's my feeling. Let's say that the Celtics do not advance. Who, in you guys' opinion, should be the first person they call for the head coaching gig next year? You have Budenholzer. You have Monty Williams. You have, fuck, who else? He may sign with the damn Rockets. I know he's pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to pull I, as a coach. Doc. <laughs> I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion that they hire that they fire Missoula. No, no, no. But that, I not, think there's a good chance they keep Missoula. Okay, but what I'm saying is not fire him, but like go back to what you were doing before. You were an assistant. I don't coach. know if you can do that. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can say, all right, you're the interim and then play the season and then be like, All right, you're hired. You're the full time head coach and give him a multi year guaranteed deal and then be like all right, well, we'll pay you the head coaching money, but it's you're gonna be an assist. Like that's no, but he still has the happen. interim on his name. No, he's he not doesn't. I don't think coach. he does. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he's he officially the head coach. Yeah, he is. Yeah, can his ass. Yeah, he's the head head coach. Can his ass. Get him <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I think Monty Williams is an interesting name. Agreed. I I get that the Suns like it kind of got stale over there, and they you know I, they've had I, DeAndre Ayton problems, and it hasn't really worked. But two years ago, the narrative was like, oh, my God, Monty Williams is a fucking genius. What a great guy. These guys love each other. These guys love Monty Williams. What happened to that? Like, is, did Monty Williams just turn into an asshole? Like, I, he's probably still a good guy. Oh, yeah. I just feel like they – I think this team would benefit from somebody that's a little bit older and has a lot of experience that can just sit down and talk to them and, like, demand respect. Doc. No, you think Doc, Doc? You really sucks. Think Doc? I do. I do not no, like Doc. Doc Rivers. Yes, oh, I don't think he Doc sucks. sucks. He sucks. 
I, it's done. I don't give a fuck if you want to bring in 2008. You suck. I'm being dramatic because I'm often so. dramatic. But <laughs> no, no, no. Because now we're going to talk. You cannot, in my eyes, this is why I have no one in sports in terms of sports writing and voting. In my eyes, you cannot possibly continue to fail in the playoffs when you're giving fantastic rosters with fantastic talent. You have everything you need. And all they're missing is you. You're not missing the talent. The talent is it misses you. They need this coach. You come in and you can't get them over the hump. After a certain point, there comes a time where you are no longer good. Or I'm, I'm going to say great because he's a good coach. But I don't think he's as great as anyone. I think great is like Steve Kerr. It's a, a, it was Ime. We're just, just looking at last year. But... I don't think he's great anymore. He he's felt to me he's fell behind or below the great. He's in a good or above average coach. I don't think he's that good. Here's the thing, and I I could spend 15 minutes on Doc Rivers, but what I will say is specific, looking at specifically Philly and the Clippers, he was given good rosters. He was given good rosters that became great when he was a head coach, and he built them from a both of those teams, from teams that were good to top teams in the in the respective conferences, but not quite enough to win a championship. If, in this hypothetical, he comes to Boston, he's inheriting the best team that he has ever inherited, I think. Like, player for player, on paper, he's inheriting the best team he's ever inherited. So he doesn't need to get them from a seven seed to a championship contender. He needs to get them from... An NBA Finals appearance to an NBA Finals championship. That's the difference, I think. And I don't think he can do it based on his history in the past 10 years. Because I'm not talking about 2008. This is not 2008 anymore. I, 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 I haven't seen anything for me to be like, this guy is still great. This, I, I think Doc would be fine. I think he'd be no. fine. I think he's good. No. Let me make one more point on Joe Missoula before we move on to a, a music segment. So there's the whole respect thing and there's the age and there's the inexperience. But that being said, I think there are some issues as far as what he can control because a lot of things are out of his control. But he's kept a really tight rotation in the playoffs. We haven't seen a whole lot of Grant Williams, barely any Peyton Pritchard, and like no Sam Hauser except for garbage time. Those three guys are the type of players that could be used and could be put in good situations and help you that we just haven't seen. And it, it's fine to keep a tight rotation. I get it, uh, especially in the playoffs. But when you need some energy, when you need kind of a kick in the ass, I think Peyton Pritchard can be that guy. Sam Hauser, to me, is Boston's version of like Max Struess or Duncan Robinson. He's out there. He's a better defender than Duncan Robinson. And he's a really, really good shooter. And they just haven't used him at all. And Miami uses those guys really, really well. The coaching, the player development, they're just running off screens. They've become really solid passers. They can find guys if they get brought two defenders to. So I, I think he, and Grant Williams. I mean, we saw Grant Williams last night. It's really the first game in the playoffs, at least in this round, that he's really played in. And he hit a bunch of threes. He was really good. He helped them immensely. And so, while I don't think those three guys are like the keys to winning the series, we've seen those guys make good contributions. And to me, Missoula, like not really giving them any solid looks is a fair second guess. 
We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Music segment. We got a good one. New Spotify Top 25. We got some favorites. Stay with us. All right, back here. Watch the game. One final segment. We got some music queued up for you guys. Got some music. We have Spotify Top 50. Um, we're going to take our favorite songs, each the three of us, top favorite songs from the top 25 of the, the playlist that's top 50. Uh, Henry, you're first up. Favorite new song. I'm hoping it's not the same one as me. I have a feeling it might be. I have a feeling it might be too. Um, my, and I didn't think I was going to go with this because, you know, I like before I looked at the the top 50, I wasn't sure what was going to be in there. But then I saw this and I was like, oh, I love this. And it's, it's all my life. It, it's the Lil Durk and J. Ah, so good. It is so good. And I'm not usually a Lil Durk fan. I've not liked a lot of his music. And so I listened to this because I was like, all right, I like J. Cole, whatever. And I really like it. The hook is great. J. Cole's verse is so good. It's just, mm. it, it, it's one of my favorite songs that's been released in the last like few months. Yeah. Me. Okay. We said Chris was going to go next, but get out of here, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm going next. Just to say that I agree. I love this song. I, I texted my roommate, David, the day that it came out. I was like, oh. Check out this new J. Cole song, J. Cole Don't Miss. And it's really a little dark song that's featuring J. Cole. But J. Cole, it he was better on the song. Yes. I mean, when you put J. Cole on a song with a little dark, J. Cole is going to be better. All right. Um, I'm not like a huge little dark song. Hey, Chris, Chris is Chris is giving me a reaction. I I'm just saying, Chris. I'm just saying, Lil Dirk. The verse wasn't bad. I you know, I mess with Lil Dirk's verse, but J. Cole, to me, so obviously J. Cole's my personal favorite artist period so i'm, I'm gonna be a little biased but the bars the flow uh the melody from yeah. j cole to me j cole is underrated for his ability to work with melody which in my opinion is like top tier mm-hmm. people think of like melodic rap and they don't think j cole but j cole's ability to work with melody put on display on this song and it's effortless and he always does it and people don't give him enough credit to me henry you talk about the chorus I'm I'm a sucker for like kids yeah. singing the chorus of songs. It reminds me of Wings by Macklemore. I mm. wanna fly, can you take me? Like, ah, oh, it's so good. Or like the Nas song. I know I can't. I know I can't do what I wanna be. Like those types of songs with the kids on the chorus. I'm a sucker for it. Man, I love this song. New J Cole too. It's always gonna be fire. We, me and David, have been singing it for like. A week so straight, just you, can you, played it like four thousand times. For the people that don't like listening to your voice and tune you out, are you saying that this is your favorite song in the top twenty-five? Oh yeah. Okay, because you didn't say that. You were just talking about how much you like the song. You didn't say this is my favorite of the top twenty-five. Oh, easy. It can go unsaid, Chris. <laughs> All right. So we uh, wait, 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 wait. This is the first song that got the triple crown. Yeah. Oh yes, you had it too. I thought you were gonna be like, yeah, oh, I had it too. This song. <laughs> no, I had it too. I, lo- I like, and when you said the melody, mm-hmm. the way he's like, when he starts like, eh, 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 and he's just like playing yeah. with his voice. I don't know. I like that. Um, but yeah, so we need to start a, a plaque award. First <laughs> Triple Crown song for our segment is All My Life featuring J. Cole by my little Dirk. What a great yeah. song. Yeah, and I don't really it like a- it because I don't, I you typically don't like J. Cole, but the way it just flowed and like, I feel like this song, like, it's catchy, but also has, like, a little meaning meaning to both of them. And, mm. like, you know, I don't know. It's a great song. I like it a lot. Yep. 
There's some good bars in the song, Chris. I know. I got li- I'm going to the how, gym. How, how I put a hit out in another one. And another one. I got like a hundred of them. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, you relax. <laughs> up. Can I on. talk J. about Cole's one song good. I hate? Yeah. Yes. Area Calls by Kali or Kali. Mm-hmm. I I mean, to be fair, most of mumble rap is that. It's like she's talking about her having holes in different states and cities. Good for her. I mean, shit. Power to her. But I, it's like, I don't know. I didn't like it. Maybe it's because it, it it was missing like that trap beat to it. Because that, like, again, those lyrics I listen to probably every day and, and other songs. But I, I didn't really like the beat to it. I don't think the beat went well with the song. Um, Yeah. But, but Chris. But. But I'll lap them so they think they ahead of me, but I'm really in front of them. Can you stop? <laughs> Come on, Chris. You got bars. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Henry Finch. Thanks to Chris Robert. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next week. Go Seas. Uh, I'm a sober soul. I say glory rose. With some dogs you violate me, they gon' send you home. They'll get you gone.